0: But they score! Jakub yeah, Voracek with just a couple of minutes gone in overtime, and Voracek completes the comeback. Voracek holding the pass for Gasson,
1: he scores! A ghostly game winner extends his point streak and wins the game. Gasson for kept it alive. it to Giroux, who scores! Good evening. That's right. We are back with another victory podcast of SOP Radio. The Flyers have gotten points in four straight, going 3-0-1 after a 1-6-1 stretch. The boys in orange and black are continuing to fight and keep pace with those Metropolitan Division teams. Quick update in the standings. The Flyers still... A point back of the Columbus Blue Jackets, but they're also within striking distance of Washington and Pittsburgh, who they do play on Sunday. So a lot of things going on while teams behind them, uh, even despite having games in hand, the Flyers have points ahead of those teams, despite those games in hand, which is going to be big down the stretch. I'm David Katai, and I'm joined tonight by Tom Fody and Ryan Gilbert. But first, before we do that, just a reminder that you can subscribe to SOP Radio on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search SOP Radio. Be sure to leave a five-star rating and a review. Tell us how much you love us. Tell us why the Flyers are going to you know, just keep going towards the playoffs with full steam ahead. Why Claude Drew is going to hit the 100-point mark by the end of the year and somehow be snubbed of some consideration for the Hart Trophy. Let's get right into it. Tom Fodi, how are you,
0: buddy? I'm doing well, David. It's sloppy win, but you know what? A W is a W, and the Flyers got another one tonight.
1: A lot of a lot of uh, scary instances in that game. Uh, a lot of things to be concerned about moving forward. That's obviously things that will not be overlooked. But you know what's not never
2: overlooked? Tall man Ryan Gilbert. What's up, buddy? How's it going, David? Yeah, like you said, the Flyers have points in four straight. They they overcame that tough stretch. They've overcome some bad starts to games, and they're they're getting points now. And that's what they have to do to start to heat up towards the playoffs.
1: Exactly what you're saying. Points towards the playoffs. Flyers now points in four straight. 88 points on the season, getting close to that uh you know third spot once again. If they win on Sunday against Pittsburgh, that has it gives them a good chance to move back into that you know third spot and go into a a tough week against Dallas and Colorado on the road. It's going to be a tough stretch moving forward. But let's let's talk about the the big picture here real quick. A lot of great things. In this game, and I think it was a, a coming together of what has gone really well for the Flyers this season. Travis Konecny scored two goals. He's got 22 on the season now. Uh, he is the youngest player since the 2010-2011 season for 21 or younger player for the Flyers since Jane Van Reeves like to score 21 or more goals. So uh, uh, something very positive come out of that. Let's just hopefully we don't trade him for Luke Shen. Um you know, Sean Couturier continues to play pretty well. Oscar Lindblom scored his second goal of the season. He's, he's been very good. Claude Giroux, like we said, continues to climb up the the point list. He's now, I'm pretty sure, he's tied with Connor McDavid. Or he, he, at one point, he was tied with Connor McDavid. He's in fifth right now with fifth, the 90, which is in fifth is perfectly
2: fine for. And just, but he leads an assist with 64, which is two more than Blake Wheeler and three more than Jake Voracek. The Flyers have two players with 60 plus assists, which is insane.
1: It's it's insane. And Alex Lyon came up and stepped up very big for the Flyers tonight when they needed him most. After Peter Morazic has continuously played atrocious in net, there's no other way to talk about it. He's been terrible. Alex Lyon comes in, saves the Flyers' asses a few times. Uh, the first goal he did give up was a little. It was a soft one. But yeah. the two. That, I mean, the other two that he gave up. Uh, a redirection off Provorov's skate, which you know, Flyers Twitter and. Everybody would have went into hysteria if it was another player Uh, and a complete defensive breakdown right in front of the net where uh, fast was left wide open. I I don't know if that was Alex Lyons, man. I guess he has to play defense as well, supposedly now. Um, But obviously a lot of a lot of scary things that we're going to get into and talk about. But I just want to talk about a little bit big picture because the biggest theme from this game was young guys making pivotal plays at big times. But also having it to step back and, you know, maybe not having their best games. And and we'll talk about that later on. But Ryan, what did you see from Travis Konecki tonight?
2: It wasn't a great game overall by the Flyers by any means, or even from many of the no, players. No. But like you said, a lot of the players they came through when they had to and they made the big plays and they got to win. Travis Konecki from the get-go, you know, he he had energy. He brought that. He really that first goal was all him. he, he stole the puck in the neutral zone, got it into the zone. Got a pass back from McDonald and weaved in and just shot a complete laser into the back of the net. And then, you know, we saw the downside of Connecting too. He missed the puck in the neutral zone. Mika jab picked it up, walked past Gudis and kind of just faked out Alex Lyon completely. And then, you know, Connecting worked hard to get to the front of the net and just tip home Gudas' shot, but. And then the third period comes and Konechny doesn't play two shifts. Matt Reed gets those two shifts instead of him with the Flyers holding a one-goal lead. And everyone kind of goes crazy. And yeah, on one hand, you want to have your best players out there in the third period. No matter what the score is, especially in a one-goal game. If you're down by one, even more so. But with a one-goal lead, when you have a guy like Matt Reed, who's very solid defensively, he's been great since he came back up in the Phantoms, you can slot him in there for a minute or two. Go for it. I don't think... It wasn't Travis connecting. Putting him in there wasn't going to completely change the way the Flyers were playing in the third period. They were having a bad period. They had maybe two or three good shifts throughout the period, and towards the end of the game, you want to put your best defensive players out there. And you know, maybe every Connecti, coach does that. Yeah. Well, I don't want to beat that drum again, but yeah, every every coach does that. Right. <laughs> yeah, but maybe you no know, connecting steals steals a pass and goes breaks up the breaks up for for a breakaway or something but i was watching there and there were no instances where having connecting on the ice instead of Reed would have benefited the flyers Now, looking at it that way is a bit results oriented and as also you can say they won so it works but it's it's not a thought process you want to have too much moving forward with benching young guys that are good offensively but in games like this where the team's not really playing their best and they want to just kind of grind out that win putting out your defensive guys is what dave haxtell has shown he's going to do it shouldn't really surprise anybody anymore it's not a horrible move there's a reason they're in the playoff race and you just kind of got to live with it and it's it's not a bad as bad of a move as people are making it out to be yeah when you when you say it out of context travis connecty was benched in the third period that sounds horrible when you say he was benched for two shifts after making a few questionable defensive plays earlier in the game you know that that makes a lot more sense Right. And and the one the reason I want to harp on this, because this is
1: the big trending point towards the end of the evening. It was a big topic because the Flyers barely squeaked out a win against uh the Rangers, who nearly with a minute and 25 seconds left hit the, you know, hit the crossbar and would probably would have gone to overtime. We might have been having a different different podcast moving forward. So it, it is a big story. And, and I'm very big on this because and this is something that I got to me tonight and I've been, you know, teetering back and forth with. How I agree with certain things, and you know, how I've agreed with a lot of things towards the year, but I understand Matt Reed. I do. What I don't understand is why not put. Travis connecting if you're going to take him off the top line shift why not put him back down where he may be more serviceable than Jordan wheel you know something like that where you're still well, giving him nice time.
2: wheel for a, a shift or two they had Latara up there
1: right and I'm just saying well, why wouldn't you just give you know another player another chance you know put him with Simmons or put him he's got chemistry with Simmons you know we, we talked about all these little things but I understand the whole we're going to give you know our veterans every coach does the whole you know trust my veterans when it matters yada yada like whatever that's fine every coach does
2: that every you know and and the to be fair Dave Haxtell does do it more than other coaches at times and that's his one main flaw is that he over relies on veteran players whether that be when making lineup choices or in the third period of games but it hasn't hurt him too much yet he has the keyword it hasn't hurt him yet and there's usually a decent thought process behind it whether many people don't understand it and that's his main flaw, and I'll take that flaw given all the positive things he's brought to this team this season. Travis Konechny is has like 22 goals this season, many of them coming in the second half after he kind of found his way in the first half. And same with Dolan Patrick. He's stepped it up. Travis Sanheim, you know, people didn't like how he was handled. but He looks he like a out, different player ever since in the NHL. He got that confidence. He matured a bit, and you now he's playing 20 minutes a night now. And Claude Giroux, 90-point season. He's going to have a career high in points. Oh, oh, uh, he's just on left wing just for no reason. It's not Dave Haxtell didn't decide, you know, I have confidence in Couture. I have confidence in Drew to move him to the left wing and kind of spread out the offense and even give – have a fantastic top line while still while still having good good depth too and there's a lot of positives that Dave Haxtell brings and he just gets way too much crap for the the negatives that are much more apparent when when a mistake happens when that fopula is on the ice in overtime people are like oh why is out why is he out there but i remember one game i think it was against Montreal when when Voracek scored to tie and then win it Fopula made a key play in the defensive end which sprung Voracek for the overtime winner so It's a lot of confirmation bias when people are complaining. Negatives. I mean, that's what people like to do. People like to complain. I I love to complain, but sometimes you have to look at it. You're complaining about complaining. In the bigger picture, it's inception. Yes, Dave. I know. It's (laughs) it's look at the bigger picture and I. It seems like every time we talk about this, but Dave Hackstall, you know, he might not be a fantastic coach. He might not be a great coach. He's an average NHL, average coach. He's he's growing. He's getting better. He's good with the young guys. That's what he does. So. It's it's just, it is what it is at this point with Haxtell. He's he's going to get crap from the fans. He's better than people say he is. And I guess we'll have to wait and see how things pan out this season in the playoffs and how he, I think the main test will be next season, which as long as Ron Haxtell makes some good moves this offseason, as, as in what he does when he has a real roster to play with. Right.
1: When you take away the, oh, we're going to rely on Brandon Manning, you know, like the reliability, when you say reliability of the veterans, well, guess what? Next year, your your reliability of your veterans are going to be Shane Goss to spare Ivan Provarov. And then you're going to have Andrew McDonald, which is totally fine for what he's being used for right now. And you're going to either have Robert Haig or Travis Sandheim, you know, in and, that situation. you going will have the scapegoat of Raikou Gutis next year. Right? No, starting. no, no I know that it's, it's going to start, but, it, but the fact of the matter is at least you're having, you know, we saw it three years ago. We look like, well, how the hell are we going to get out of this hell of defense and terrible bottom six, you know, forwards? And now it looks like, okay, well, there's only maybe four players left that we can, you know, blame in a sense, like they're easy scapegoats. Once those players are gone, it's going to turn into the. Hey, we have a really good roster. Let's see what this roster can do, and then that starts to see how great or how good or bad of a coach may be. Because maybe the veterans, maybe the same uh, use the same exact tactics later on. You know, a year down the road, and it's this—you get the same results, but with you get it with players that people, you know, people want to see in those situations. I, again, it's all part of the learning process. But you know, I, I this isn't a you know bashing. Who thinks this? Who, who everybody's entitled to their opinion. There isn't. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. My opinion is swayed. Over the last four weeks of, you know, how I agree with certain things, how I don't. But I do understand some of the, this has to be talked about because it's going to be talked about no matter what. This is the biggest storyline coming out of this game right now. And it needs to be talked about. This team is going to be fine moving forward. Now it's a matter of can they build upon the positives that they got out of this game and fix a lot of the negatives that they had of this game? And I and I want to talk, I want to get right into some of the things that they really have struggled with lately. They they're getting off to really terrible starts, Ryan and Tom. And Tom, I really want to I want to hear your opinion on some of these because we haven't really let you talk <laughs> at all.
2: Yeah, I was trying to get time in there.
0: <laughs> uh just sitting back and watching the show. Yeah, the the slow starts It's it's concerning because if you get off to a slow start in the playoffs, you're going to get your teeth kicked in time and time again. There's no time to settle into the game. You got to come out and you got to start throwing haymakers and just kind of quickly going back to the TK point, because this this whole narrative of Dave Haxtell holds back the young kids. It's a dead horse that's been beaten down to its skeleton. Actually, there's not even a skeleton left anymore. It's dust. That's how much this horse has been beaten. The horse is dead. (laughs) The horse, is, the horse has been dead, and it's decomposed, and now it's dust because we've all taken bats and we've beaten it so many times. But to Travis Konechny's credit, he's come up clutch in the past couple of games. He scored some big goals when the Flyers needed them to. When Detroit took the lead a couple of games ago, who scored the game tying one not too long after? Travis Konechny. And then who had a couple huge goals of one to get him ahead and then the, uh, the other one to, get, to put him up 3-1. Uh, Travis Konechny, he's been around and he's come up clutch the past few games. He's on a 30-plus goal pace in the second half of the season. And there's not a doubt in my mind that he's going to be a 30-goal scorer one day. But he's still a young player. He's still not a finished product. And it's easy to blame the coach for a young player's flaws than it is to say that, you know what? Maybe the 21-year-old dynamic offensive forward might still have a little bit more room to grow that's and that's not giving Dave Hackstall a pass either that's just me that's just me looking at a much bigger picture here but circling back to the starts of of the games it's very concerning to me because you can't settle into a game that's just that can't happen and the flyers need to clean that up and while it was great that They got the first goal of the game. I think there was a stat that came out the other day. Um, I didn't check the validity of it, but the Flyers have only led in 14 of the 70-odd games um, after the first period. I mean, it's not great to be tied after. It's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing to be tied after one. But you certainly have to get off to good starts. And right now, this team just isn't doing it. And it's something they need to at least hopefully figure out if not mitigate the damage, because if they come up against a good team in the playoffs and well, let's not kid ourselves. Every team is a good team in the playoffs, but if they come against a team that gets off the fast starts, the Flyers are going to be fine in their golf clubs real quick.
1: No, you're absolutely right. I mean, and that's, and that's the biggest thing moving forward is because the playoff, I mean, we're looking at the playoff picture right now. We're looking at teams that are going to play against. They have firepower all throughout those lines. When you look at, columbus you look at uh, columbus is ten in a row you look at pittsburgh who you know Sidney crosby and evgeny malkin and phil kessel and every other player that seems to step up for them when it becomes postseason time you know you give the no names that come out of nowhere and just you know become stars for them and you have washington who's always very dangerous even though the flyers have played them extremely well this year washington still has firepower and they're only going to get better as it's you know in a short series against the team they've played well against this is the t- these are the t- this is the time of the year where the Flyers need to not sit back, and that's the one thing that does scare me moving forward: the the failed clears, the inability to get out of your own zone, the neutral zone turnovers because you can't go tape to tape with the correct guy because we're all too you know everybody's too crossed up trying to get out of the zone on their exits. That is going to burn them when they play a good team. They probably should have lost a lot of the uh, a lot of the puck battles that they had um in the neutral zone tonight. Against a regular team, I mean, they played the Rangers, who have you know four guys that spent the most of their season in the AHL playing defensively, and the Flyers basically got the entire you know center of the ice skating forward and most of their chances early on. They can't let these things happen, Ryan.
2: Yeah, they can't. And Tom, you brought up a few good points. Yeah, Connectney's scoring big goals, but like you said, he might still need to improve defensively. Just because he's scoring those goals doesn't mean you know he's can be relied on in all situations. And yeah, that stat you brought up about uh leading after the first period, it is true there are just nine, one, and four when leading after the first, but this this is something that I thought about recently and looked it up and it might be something that it's just with Dave Axtaw, is that they have not had a good first periods in the past three seasons. Yeah. Their goal totals this season and the past two in the first compared to the second and the third is like in the fifties in the first and then in the seventies or eighties in the second and the third. And it's, I don't know if this is something that's just Dave Axel. If they go out there, they kind of figure out their game plan in the first and then implement in the second and third, because they are a lot better in the second and third periods. I don't know if this is just something fluky. I haven't looked at like the course numbers or the shot attempts or the shots, but they let it after the first period, just 15 times last year, They were 12, one and two. And in 2015, 16, when they made the playoffs, they were, they led after the first 17 times and they were 13, three and one. So this is about on pace with the last two seasons. And that's something that, you know, if this continues and if it is one of their main issues in the playoffs, or if they somehow don't make the playoffs, this is going to be something that people look into and talk about is why can't Dave Haxtell's flyers teams get out to a good start. And they've, they even struggled in the start of the second period tonight against the Rangers, and like you got, like you guys said, in the playoffs, you really can't, you can't have that against good teams. I don't, I don't really remember in twenty sixteen how they did against Washington. I know they scored in like the first minute of their first home game, but then they, then they blew that. But yeah, they're going to face a good team. Columbus is very good. Pittsburgh, is very good. You just have to hope for right now they're matched up against Washington, which would kind of be the best matchup as we talked about previously, because they've played them very well, but we'll see this, this upcoming Sunday is going to be a big game for both teams, With the Flyers visiting the Penguins for the last time this season, possibly, possibly the first round. Yeah. Possibly the first round, or if they win the win the first round, they'll definitely have the Penguins in the second round.
1: No, you're absolutely right. I mean, um, it's just a matter of when is this team going to figure it all out? Because, again, we talked about the themes throughout the entire year. There's times they look like they're, you know, we've seen the highs. We've seen the extreme lows. We've seen a lot of the extreme middle, and sometimes the extreme middle has really hurt them. But they have these games where they can squeak out wins or fight back and get to overtime, you know, like they did before, you know, like they've done before. So there's a lot of things that they're going to go moving forward, but they need to figure out how they're going to keep getting hot starts to periods, how they're going to keep that intensity moving forward because the playoffs aren't just, hey, we play 20 minutes, we win. No, it's you have to play a consistent 60-minute effort or your team's going to be bouncing four games. And, and that's the thing moving forward. But let's get to some of the positives of tonight because, there. are, I mean, we talked about a lot of the negatives. Let's get to some of these positives tonight. Travis Connecting, we talked a little bit about him and how well he played. A lot of it has to do with where he's getting the goals from now. His biggest goals, I mean, I'd say of late are all coming within right in front of the net. He's being, you know, he's being a a pest in front of the net, despite how being how small he is. He's, I don't know, it's part of his game that he didn't even have last year. He never got to the front of the net. He he always wanted to skate around the outside, try to fling pucks in on net and look for. I mean, that was fine. He was doing, you know, doing little things that you know you could find success with. But the fact of the matter is that he's becoming a more confident player, playing in front of the goalie, playing behind bigger defensemen and saying, hey, I'm just as big as you, I just, I'm just i more of a finesse guy and I can get through you. That type of confidence is something that's going to turn him, like Tom, like you said, he's going to turn into a, 30, a 30-goal a thirty scorer, maybe 35, you know, we don't know where this ceiling is. And that's one of our Twitter questions that came in too, was how high is Travis Konechny's ceiling? Because we've seen extreme highs, and we've also seen some really bad games from him. And then that's all part of his progression, all part of his development. It's all part of being a guy that's literally only in his second year in the NHL. His ceiling, in my opinion, is somewhere between a 30 to 35 goal scorer, who eventually, when he continues to develop and figure out what he can and cannot do in all three zones, he's gonna be a solid two way player. He may not be you know, he might not be an above average two way player, but he's I feel like he's going to be someone who can hold his own. And he'll be out in the game, you know, he'll be out late in game situations where he can be dependent on, or you know, things like that. I don't know. What do you what do you think, Tom?
0: His defense is definitely gonna get better because it's improved pretty well from his first to his second year. And you know what? Maybe he never becomes that selkie s Kennedy. But as long as you can be reliable in your zone and if the coach isn't going to be thinking, um, I'm having second thoughts about putting him out there with three minutes left in a one-goal game and this game has to be won, hopefully he does get there. I certainly, I certainly hope so. I think, and when I say a 30-goal scorer, I think minimum, he'll score 30 a year, like a Jeff Carter-esque when Carter was ripping them left and right. And I could definitely see TK being the 60 to 70 point player, but this day in the NHL, everyone likes to to harp that the Flyers don't have a goal scorer in their uh, their prospect system, which, side note, is not true at all. But it's that Hextall goes for these two-way guys because they're better bets, one. But I also think, and he may not admit it, Two, they're much more reliable. It's a lot easier to teach a guy defensive skills than it is to teach him offensive instincts. You, of course, have your, your perennial and your prodigies like Sean Couturier, who was a defensive stalwart at 18 years old. Those guys come along every every so often. But defensive positioning and the subtleties of the game can be taught to the younger players, whereas offense. I see mostly as a, a, a creative thing. It's it's there or it's not, and you either have the creativity to make your own space, and you can be taught to a certain extent. But the guys like Giroud, the guys like Konechny, Gassous, uh, Bear, Sandheim, you you see these guys just attempt and try things and do things that other guys just simply aren't capable of doing. So definitely, I can see T.K. becoming. At least reliable in his own zone. And heck, you know what? We even said the same thing about Shane Goss bear not too long ago. I was just ago. going
1: to mention that to
0: you. That uh, hopefully he can become Dave. Take it away. That he won't. He'll be reliable.
1: Do you not remember when he was first came into the league that he was not used in defensive situations whatsoever? Now even he's the on the first, top pair. Even
2: the first few months of this, of this season, people right. thought you know maybe he's a a third pair offensive specialist, maybe second pair at best, and he's being used as a top pair defenseman, and could really be considered for the Norris Trophy if there weren't other such big names around them. Right.
1: And, and that's the thing is there are a lot of positive things with these young players. They, they continue every single game to develop and get better at.
2: Yeah. And like you said, I think connecting ceiling is definitely 30 goals. I mean, he has 22 this season with, with, what seems like 20 of them in the second half. He has like 15 or 16 since January. So that's, that's probably a 35 or 40 goal pace right there. And, you know, we, we, you see him playing with good line mates. You see him kind of having more of a complete game, more of a, more of a, he just goes out and gets it. Like on that second goal night, he was in the corner. He saw Gudis almost about to get the puck, and, you know, Gudis is going to shoot the puck from the point and he gets in front, reaches out his stick and, and just gets the tip on it. And yeah, becoming a two way player, it takes time. I mean, we saw Wayne Simmons a few years ago. He started getting a penalty kill, Tom. We, you saw, started seeing him getting more time at the end of games. And like you said, Tom, you cannot teach offense. And I think a prime example of that is why the Flyers went to draft Matthew Strom in the fourth round. He has the offense. He just has to build the skating, the two-way game. And maybe that's the reason why they traded a guy like Cooper Marody, who, you know, he's putting up good points in the in the NCAA. But maybe he doesn't have the top offensive talent to Translate that to the NHL game. And that's just something the Flyers Scouts have done a, a fantastic job at recently. I mean, Lindblom was a fifth round pick, Gossis Bear, third round. You have so many guys just in the prospect pipeline ready to come up. And, you know, I need to issue a public apology to one player in particular. Alex Lyon has been fantastic. I, I thought maybe he could be a spot starter, come in here and there and do a do an adequate job, but over over the past few weeks, he's been four one and one. He has a nine two nine save percentage. He came up huge again tonight. He had a big save off he had a big save right before the Flyers scored their first or second goal and then another save right before they scored their their third goal so it, it's just key saves in the right time he's coming up when they have when he has to his positioning maybe isn't all that great but it worked in the third period there with with that save when he was lying down so there's right there's a lot of positives to come out of this game connecting is one of the best ones, but I think Alex Lyon has kind of just taken over as this team's goaltender
1: no you're absolutely right and that's I mean before we get into that I do want to talk about because we were talking about connecting um, you know talk to him after the game and he was basically you know, they asked him about that. He said, you've been a team player. And we talked about that, how, you know, there was the other game where he was blocking shots and he was, you know, diving, you know, basically putting his body on the line because he said, you know, this is a role. This is what we have to do to win a game. You know, everybody accepts it. Everybody buys into what the coaches are saying. He was asked about, you know, having his you know his ice cut down in the third period. And he said, to me, it's just about getting the two points. We're going to make sure that defensively, we're going to take care of the puck and little things like that. It's part of doing the things that, Doing things for the team, and I have no problem with it. It's a matter of getting those two points. If it's the way we have to win, then we have to do it every single time. And he knows, and and I guarantee, after the game or even during the game, they were having a teaching moment with the with him saying, "Hey, you know, you got to cut some of this stuff out." And that's fine. That is totally fine. And and the fact of the matter is that he's—it's not one of those Shane Goss's bear moments like last year where he said, "Well, if that's whatever the coaching staff feels is right, whatever." You know, in the tone that he said it, it's he's. Continually, he's being upbeat and positive about it because he knows that the team is winning, and that's what matters to these guys. You know, they're not singling out every single player. You know, in their locker room, this is one of the most tight knit groups that they've ever had. I'd say they at least in the last ten years, the way that this team feeds off each other, the the players are always standing up for each other. They're always picking up for whatever everybody does. You don't have cliches, or you know, you don't have little secrets coming out of oh, well, people don't really like Steve Mason, or people you know, little things like that that come out. Travis Konechny is just buying into what everybody is saying. He understands that as a young player, it's part of his, his part of his progression to grow, to learn, and to come back the next game and play without any of those mistakes. But let's get back into Alex line because, again, this guy continues to, get, when he's given the opportunity, he continues to really thrive. I mean, he's had some really, he's had a couple of really bad starts where, you know, a late goal against Boston, a late goal against the Devils, really destroyed, Two pretty good games that he had against both of those teams. It was just that like you said, that he's making the timely saves when it matters. He's not putting his team down in holes like Morazic does early in the game. He's comes he comes up ready to, you know, to play. And I think that's that's huge for this team that has been struggling with their starts. And a lot of them, when they've been struggling recently, was because Murazik was in net. A lot of this, when you have to consistently fight and come back from two or three goal deficits or a one-nothing deficit, it's tiring. I mean, there's a reason the Flyers are, you know, one of the best second period teams in the NHL. Well, that's because they can't get it going in the first period and their goaltenders consistently either put them down or, you know, don't help them and make the timely saves at the time. Alex Lyon is not the goalie of the future, but he's proven that he can come in and be adequate enough to help this team win games. And he's done that in every single start. And Ryan, you talked about the positioning, and you talked about how he may not be comfortable with it. He's even said that himself. He talks about how he's not 100 percent you know, happy about some of the saves he made because he said, I mean, they could have been a lot prettier than I made them, but you know, that, the big thing is, I, my team out there is helping keep guys to the outside. The goals that he's been beat on, some of them have just been stylic, you know stylistic, you know part of his technique where you know he gets beat up high because he goes down a little bit too early. Eventually, with more NHL experience and more professional experience, a young guy like that is going to be able to, you know, adapt to that. I mean, it's not not like he's. No one's saying he's going to be the goaltender in Philadelphia next year, but I mean, he'll probably get an honest he look. As the, I mean, as the, he's getting he could get know. an honest look as a backup. No one ever knows. No one knows what's going to happen right now. But the fact of the matter is, he's really showing progression in his own in his own self, and it's really helping this team moving forward because he's not turtling and falling, you know, falling behind. He, we talked about it. You know he could have given up a really bad goal early on, like he did, and just completely, you know, I don't want to say what I really want to say, but he really, you know, blanked the bed. You know what I mean? Like that, th- things could have went completely wrong. But no, you know, he he was confident. He came out with it, and he played really good hockey.
0: Absolutely, and I'll I'll second that too. That lion scares the daylights out of me with how aggressive he is and how he just kind of puts himself out of position at times, but when all is said and done, he made the saves that needed to be made and he allowed fewer goals than the other goalie at the other end of the ice gave up. So you got to give him credit where it's due and you also got to give him some major respect because he's coming in in a real tough position for for a young guy who's really seeing his first kind of NHL action. He could have turtled uh, with the pressure on him and with the Flyers and you can say the thick of a playoff race because things could have easily spiraled and he could have seen everything riding on his shoulders. And you just got to tip your hat to Alex Lyon for kind of the the poise that he's shown. It might not show itself in that, but you know what the puck is staying out of the net uh, more times uh, than it has for Peter Morazic. And going forward, you got to stick with Lyon because he's a hot hand right now. And right now, you just see Peter Marazic giving up some goals where you just it just leaves you scratching your head.
2: Yeah, the Flyers are going to be riding Alex Line into the playoffs. I mean, imagine even thinking about that. Like, dude, it's 2010. Even a, ago, ago again. even a month ago, even even a month or two months ago, you thought you know Alex Line maybe would be a serviceable backup, And now he's he's the guy that everyone clamors for, and, and there's a good reason for that because he's putting up great performances on back to back games. He he comes in off the bench. He Gets gets his team a point like we saw in Detroit. And then he comes comes out with a big start against the Rangers, gets a win. And, you know, he, I mean, next year the Flyers have four or five goalies they can go with. They have Elliott and Norworth under contract. They have Mrazic and Lyon and Stolars, who's now up in, with the Phantoms, who are all restricted free agents. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Flyers kind of get rid of Norworth and stick with Lyon for next season as a backup because, I don't remember feeling this confident in a goalie this season. I mean, Brian Elliott certainly had his stretches, but Alex Lyon over the past few weeks has, has just been fantastic.
1: Oh, yeah, and you know what else has been fantastic of late? The Flyers penalty kill, which has been atrocious all season. I mean, Ryan, how bad they've
2: been? Like historically, Flyers bad this yeah, season. Yeah, they, they've been very bad this season. But I mean, over the past over the past few weeks, they have been fantastic. Over the past five games now they are 10 for 10 killing off penalties a perfect penalty kill and most of the time it's there's not too many great chances against i mean tonight they were stuck in their own zone for a minute and a half because gutis clearing attempt hit off a referee behind the net but then they cleared the zone i mean the rangers don't have the firepower that they used to but still it's getting sticks in lanes, even if they're being kind of passive at times because players are tired, they're getting the job done. And and you have contending, pretty- making big
1: saves at oh, big yeah. that's,
2: that, that That's key as well because that was one of the big issues, I guess, earlier this season and last year. The Flyers' save percentage at 5-on-5 five five was good, but their save percentage on the ser- wall shorthand was bad. And I don't know if that's a stylistic thing with flying compared to the other guys, but it's it's certainly worked out over the past few games. Tom,
1: what have you seen out of the penalty kill, and and not the, you know, oh it's, you know, oh it, it's it is good the now. same. No, no, it's it's not that it's like the same personnel. I mean, it's been the same thing. What have you seen that's a little bit different? I and mean, Maybe it is just the the puck luck type of thing where maybe they're getting the right bounces this time, or you know, things aren't coming back to bite them. Or it might be just be Alex Lyon making bigger saves in the moment. But it really feels like they're just doing something different on the on the penalty kill.
0: I'm sure there's some kind of subtle little tweak that if we really went back and looked at the film from when they were really struggling to what they're doing now, I'm sure we'll find something. Maybe it is the sticks in the lanes. I think it's a combination of a lot of factors. One thing that all three of us have harped on time and time and time again this year is doing the little things right. And when you're down a man, those little things matter even more. Those puck battles along the wall, putting the stick in that lane even even something, to, well, it's not really small in the penalty kill, but uh, even a goalie going side to side, uh, maybe even preventing uh, those cross-ice passes from uh, the puck going across the slot. I mean, I don't have anything specific for you, but I'm very confident that, you know what, maybe it is puck luck. And maybe, and maybe it's puck luck, and maybe it's a combination of all the, the subtleties that the Flyers were missing when the penalty killing was just straight up atrocious, maybe it's all finally coming together. And you know what? It's coming together at the perfect time because what better time to have your special teams, well, at least half your special teams clicking going into the playoffs?
2: Yeah, it definitely could be puck luck a little bit because, I mean, Lions coming up with some big saves. They're getting those block shots. And yeah, hopefully the puck luck bounces the right way for uh, the penalty, the power play as well because, I mean, Voracek set up Simmons on the back door beautifully. And he just, couldn't finish it and then he set up Couturier later and later in that same power play so you know if one of those goes in I mean they scored two the other night two the other night in Detroit but if one of those goes in tonight you know it's a different game and they just have to get hot at the right time if the penalty kills the penalty kills hot right now and if the power play can even you know just get get going a little bit and they're playing decently five on five that's the right recipe for success going into the playoffs especially with with the hot goaltender
1: no, you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, look. I mean, you got to look at it going into the playoffs. We talked about it. this is the biggest stretch of the season for the Flyers. This is the most, probably the most important road trip for them this season. They have Pittsburgh on the road on an afternoon game where the Flyers have fared pretty well in the afternoon games this season. On national television, against a red hot Penguins team that the Flyers have played very poorly against this season, except for maybe one game. Then you got a Dallas team that comes in who, you know, their own, you know, fringe, fringe team. All these Western Conference teams are like, what, four points apart or something like that? It's absolutely yeah, not too so really close, close. To that. Yeah. So, I mean, Dallas can end up being a playoff team. Colorado has been, um, McKinnon has been incredible this season. He's probably one of the favorites for the uh, the Hart Trophy this year, even though, you know, whatever. I mean, he's having a great he, year. He is. He, no, i just saying year. he's having a great year. I just, I'm bitter about Claude so Giroux. that's fine. You know, he's the reason why I won it
2: because mm-hmm. Giroux definitely does Giroux better get recognition is what I'm getting. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's all we want. I don't think anyone is saying that, okay, Giroux should win the hard trophy. I think all Philadelphia fans are looking for is just a little bit of recognition. Like every single national media outlet's like, hey, here's our hard trophy candidates and like, Where's Claude Giroux? Well, yeah. yeah.
2: And one of them's Taylor Hall and the Devils aren't even gonna make the playoffs. It's hilarious. Now and, and if, this, if they don't make the playoffs, that'll be funny. Are, yeah, Giroux, Drew, Drew Gosses Bear, and Katori, you know. They, they hate probably, gingers, They probably it. won't they probably won't win the their awards, but Drew has a case for the heart. Yeah. Katori has a case for the selkie and goss's bear has been good enough to win the norris just it's just get get two of those guys to vegas for the uh award ceremony that, that's all we want
1: you know dave haxall is going to get some sort of recognition for uh jack coach of the year because you know team lost 10 games in the middle of the season and
2: the yeah, dave haxall that- Hacks- award the, the worst coach to make the playoffs
1: no <laughs> that's not true well uh, did you ever see mike babcock this year no <laughs> No, honestly, like uh, all joking aside, I mean, there's so many, so many of, this, of these flyers deserve some sort of recognition, whether, you know, whether you agree with everything or not. I mean, there are people out there that, are, that believe that Shane Gossper shouldn't even be recognized and, you know, they're like, oh, he really hasn't done much. Well, I mean, that's fine. You get your titles or your opinion about anything. I mean, I, at one point during the year, I thought Jake Voracek was going to keep up with Claude Drew and it was going to be, oh, who's going to beat out who for recognition this year? Or if, if they, at that line was kept together it was going to be alright well are they going to get zero recognition like who's going to be the most important player on that line or you know are they going to fight over who has more you know, because they're both by the end of the year they're both going to get to you know 85 plus points
2: yeah Voracek's at 80 right now right yeah, they have so many games left he should get close to 85 Giroux could easily get 95. So, I mean, they could take a little bit away from each other in, in the heart Trophy, but, I mean, so can Kucherov and Stamkos. So can a few other – so can Malkin and Kessel and Crosby. So, I mean, McKinnon's probably the runaway favorite, but Giroux de- definitely deserves second or third.
1: You're absolutely right. So I, I want to dive into a couple of these – I mean, they're all the same question um, – a couple of these Twitter questions um, that we had tonight obviously the big thing we talked about earlier in the game was Travis Konechny, um and I do want to take a uh, read a quote directly from Dave Haxtell about you know about what what his you know understanding was during the you know why he sat TK um and you know little things like that and you know they were he was asked that during his post game press conference he said yeah he really wasn't taking care of the puck very well which we, we talked about defensively some of the things in the defensive zone uh were issues individuals have to be better at this time of the year and we have to manage the puck and how we take care of it and the mentality that we were going where we were going with things now he did he was asked whether the play in the neutral zone that i mentioned earlier was you know was one of those plays and he said no he was actually trying to make a play and turn things around for us cuz he had a strong start and those and that's something that i'm encouraging you know i want players to try and make plays he was trying to do something and i that wasn't one of those for me so, he is saying it, I mean, consistently, and then he was asked about, you know, where is this teaching moment coming from? And he goes, well, it comes throughout the game. It comes when he's sitting on the bench late in the game where he can, you know, look and see at different things, or, you know, it comes in between timeouts, or, you know, as soon as he comes back from a shift, or it comes after the game, when they talk. So, he talked about it a little bit. I mean, they won the game, that's all that matters, and, you know, this you know, if they win four straight, and you know this doesn't come up again, guess what? This is a little side note. I mean, for most people, and you know, in the backs of everybody's minds, because they're winning four straight, that's all that matters. But at the moment, right now, it does seem something where everybody's going to react because they, I mean, every, again, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Everyone can be, you know, have their opinion about everything. But the fact of the matter is, the Flyers won again, and a lot of the things that were scary in this game were all done by players that should be playing better. You know, the, the guys can't clear the puck out of the zone. That's not the coach's fault. Guy, you know, little passes behind the back passes from behind your own net like McDonald and Gudis and even Ivan Provarov has done, you know, over the past few games in your own defensive zone to create turnovers and put your goalie in a bad position. Those are things that can't happen. Those are things that's not a coaching moment. It's a coaching moment after when you get to the bench. It's not a, hey, you can't yell at this guy while he's on the ice. I mean, that's, that's not how these things are going to happen. So... Again, we understand and we all talked about it. You understand why he made the move, agree with it, agree with you, don't you, you know, or not.
2: I I I actually like it even more after hearing those quotes because I still him, don't I mean, I don't I don't like it. I understand it more. I I see where he's coming from because but I like the fact that that play on the goal didn't factor in at all because he the quote about him wanting players to make plays is huge and him saying that there was a balance to it is, is exactly right. If connect I mean, I might have to go back and watch connect shifts in the defensive zone, but if he had a few, a few plays where, you know, he didn't turn the puck over himself, but if he was out of position and let the Rangers get a few more passes in, or wasn't in position to collect, collect a pass, when Matt Reed is more responsible in in that area, you know, maybe go for that because the flyers needed more guys to help clear the zone late in the game. They, they, they needed help more help clearing the zone more than they needed help getting into the zone in the offensive zone because they weren't really getting there. So if they need a guy to help clear the zone, I would much rather have in that position of the game I saw
1: that face. Ha- I saw I, that face. I don't
2: I wouldn't much rather have Matt Reed out there, but I understand why Matt Reed is out there over Travis Connect me.
1: Right. And his quote basically said that hey, you know, even though a guy may not be getting at the right position, right time right now, he might not be clicking at the right thing. We have other guys who specialize in certain areas where they can fill in when needed upon late in game situations. So there was some explanation, some understanding to it. So they're obviously both sides to the story, you know, everything that comes out is obviously something that's important. Another question that was asked earlier, we talked about Travis Konechny, and that kind of want to spring something into another point is, you know, the the initiative, is, you know, the initial question is always, you know, what what progression are we seeing this season from younger guys? Because that's exactly what this season was supposed to be about: was how many young guys are going to prove, how many young guys are going to be on the roster? And we talked about this: ten of the what, twenty three players on the roster, or ten of the twenty that were in the nineteen in the lineup were addressed. Or have are 25 years and younger, and every single one of those players are continuing to improve. Whether it's Shane Gossberg working on his, you know, getting better defensively, whether it's Ivan rob continuing to develop into a stone cold number one defenseman, Travis Konecny proving that he's probably going to be by the end of this year a 25 goal scorer in his second year in the NHL. You know, Sean Couturier developing both ends of his game and getting even better defensively, being stronger on the puck, being able to play, you know. Be stronger in the offensive zone with the puck and be able to think offensively. Uh, you have guys like Nolan Patrick. And Tom, this I'm glad you put this here. Nolan Patrick's got 15 points in 25 games in the second half of the season. That's a 49 point. It's roughly a 49 point pace. Remember when Nolan Patrick looked like he didn't even belong in the NHL? No, seriously, there were, there was a point this year where it looked like he belonged. You know, as a fourth, you know, he'd be like a fourth line guy. You know, one of those AHL guys that, because he wasn't healthy, he was he was hurt. He wasn't be able to figure out his game. He hadn't been healthy in what two and a half years, something like that. Now he's starting to figure it out. He's starting to play more aggressive. You could see his skating's gotten completely better. He's able to close out some plays, you know, off in both ends of the zone. And you can start to see why he was a great two-way player coming into it. And you're going to see how great of a two-way player he's going to turn into. What have you seen out of Nolan Patrick moving forward?
2: I mean, Nolan Patrick was arguably one of the best, if not the best, flyers on the. Flyers players on the ice tonight, and like you said about having so many young guys in the lineup, for the f- for the six starters tonight were rookies, Limblom, Patrick, Sanheim, and Lyon, and that's that's a huge step for the Flyers. when I mean, they can rely on those people, and when two of their best players in Patrick and Limblom were are rookies, and their their top defensive pair is a sophomore and Provorov, they have their their best offensive chances came either with Proveroff and Goss Bear or with Sandheim on the ice. And they're all very young players and only getting better. So there's a lot of, a lot of good things, a lot of, a lot of progress that all these young guys have made. Nolan Patrick's a completely different player over the past month or so. He's outscored Nico. He's showing why he should be the, he was the consensus number one prospect coming into the draft and the Flyers kind of stole him from the devils with the number two pick and, there's, it's just up and down the lineup. Those are those guys. Yuri Laterra has been one of the Flyers' best bottom six forwards recently, and no one, I mean, he went from a guy like, oh, why is Latera in the lineup? So guys, like, okay, Laterra's there. He's your twelfth he, four. That's he, fine with that. Yeah, going from a guy like Chris Van to a guy like Laterra who can make plays, it, it's huge, and it's it's just all the little things that are going right for the flyers overall but there's a lot of little things going wrong for the flyers in games but if they can clean those up we'll start to see more overall things moving forward and the flyers they're going to make the playoffs they can definitely make some noise there i mean it depends goal 10, it depends if they get depth scoring but if they have a few of those things going right for them they can do they can they can do some damage
0: and that's the mark of an average team you pointed out right there some of the little things they do right And some of the little things they're doing wrong. That's exactly who we said they were going to be going into this season. They're a playoff bubble team. And right now that bubbles lifting them up into the playoffs and going into this next stretch of games. It's going to be big. But I think I think it would be admirable if they could secure four out of those six points that are up for grabs. You wouldn't. I mean, in an ideal world, we sweep we sweep the road trip. We don't yield a single point. But getting four of six, five of six, every single point is going to count in this upcoming road trip. And you're seeing the young kids taken, as this year has progressed, they're taking on a bigger and bigger role. And I also just want to point out, Provorov's been a little bit suspect to me lately. And I'm not doubting Ivan Provorov in the least bit, but he hasn't been his dominant self. And I have all the confidence in the world in Ivan Provorov. I've, every bit of confidence that he's going to come back and he's going to play better. But his recent play of late has me wondering, is something nagging him? I think he's tired. I I know what you're talking about. I was about to say, or are all the minutes he's playing, are they catching up to him? Because Provorov's done some heavy lifting since he really solidified himself in his rookie year. So maybe as well and as hard as that guy trains in the offseason, everybody's got their breaking point. And that may also be a result of the Flyers just really not having a good enough second and a third pairing uh, to, to hold the weight because, for the most part, Bear and Provorov have been the lead dogs, the big horses that have carried the most minutes. And when you have more, a more of a solidified second and third pairing, that evens things out. You don't have to uh, rely on the top pairing anymore. I mean, you can ride a guy. We saw that a couple years ago when Duncan Keith – literally never left the ice. He was averaging like, I think like 30 something minutes. It was uncanny. It was actually absurd. I kept staring at his time on ice, his average time on ice, thinking that like there was a typo or something, but you can't do that over the course of a full season. Not, not to any defenseman, not in this day and age in the NHL, but the positive thing that I'm really taken out of this so far is that all the kids are really contributing and you're seeing it. They look like they belong. They don't look like they're just passable in the NHL. They look like bona fide NHL players.
1: No, you're absolutely right. And I mean, that's kind of where I wanted to lead into this. Was you know, what is your big takeaway from this season right now? And Tom, obviously, we all think the younger players playing a lot is obviously where we're going with this. But where do you think the biggest? You know, what is going to be the biggest takeaway in the next two weeks? You know, to finish the season. What are the Flyers? What are they going to be? How are they going to go possibly go into the playoffs? How are they going to possibly miss the playoffs? What is this team's direction moving forward? What What is this team made of? And that, this is really what, what I really want to close it out with.
2: I think the biggest player to watch, and he kind of, you can kind of go the, the flyer storyline of the season, is Oscar Lindblom. You know, he's start of this start of his season, he was unlucky for what? twelve, fourteen games, and he finally gets an assist, gets that goal. He was a little bit unlucky tonight before he got that rebound goal in the third. But he's a guy that you know he's he learned a professional game with the phantoms. they They had patience with him, much like they had patience with a lot of other players, even and though they he, knew
1: that he was way better than the players he was playing with.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, he started his first game on the third line. He got moved up to the second line in the second game. And since then he's been there with Nolan Patrick and that's been their best line over the, over the past few weeks. And, you know, if they get lucky, if Lindblom gets the bounces, he's going to get more points. And if the Flyers get the bounces, they're going to get more wins. And even if Lindblom's not picking up points, you know, he he's doing the little things right to help the Flyers win. And the Flyers are going to have to do do those little things right as a team to help them win going into the playoffs. So Lindblom is a guy that I think kind of embodies what the Flyers are going through right now as a whole team. They, he was, they preach patience with him. They preach patience with the whole team. He's starting to put up points. The Flyers, you know, after a few years of patience, they're starting to put up points. They're starting to make the playoffs, and, that, and they could do some damage. And Lindblom is a guy, he's come up, come up in February. He's a second-line guy that's added a lot of depth to the team, and the Flyers are going to go as their depth scoring goal, goes. Tom, what do you think?
0: you kind of you kind of took my point there too. I'm looking at the bottom 6. While the top 6 is going to be a dangerous they they already are. They're incredibly dangerous. But having a good top 6 don't mean squat in the playoffs unless you have a at least a passable third and a fourth line, which I think the Flyers can piece together. It part of it depends on Michael Raffl's injury and how he comes back from it. The playoffs are all around Raffle's going to be suddenly cured and he's going to get, and he's going to play. But over these next couple of weeks, as the season winds down, aside from the stars of the team who have shown up all year, you got to get some kind of production out of your bottom six. If not production, you got, they have to at least be defensively strong and at least generating some kind of offensive chances to at least have the threat. And, I mean, I'm kind of cheating here, tossing another one. The goaltending has got to hold up. And it's a mystery on when Neuvert or Elliott will return. But until those two are back, you got to lean on Alex Lyon and cross your fingers that Peter Morozik finds his game from the first three games when he played for the Flyers.
1: No, you're absolutely right. And and I'm glad we're talking about this because the biggest storyline is we want to find out what this team is made of moving forward. We've seen glimpses of it. We've seen, you know, Travis Connecty embodying what it is to be a Philadelphia Flyer. Understanding, you know, there's going to be so much more, especially at this point of the season, where it doesn't matter who you are in the lineup. You're either going to, you know, you're either going to contribute in some sort of way, or you're going to be a standout. You're going to be a scapegoat to when, if and when this team eventually gets bounced from the playoffs. If You know, no matter what happens, if you don't contribute and you become a liability, you're going to be the lasting memory from this situation. This team knows that they're capable of doing some good things. I mean, they're a team that's lost 10 in a row and gotten points in 12 straight this season. They're a team that's also won six or seven in a row. They're also a team that's, you know, peaks and valleys. They're starting to figure out that even though they have a broken team, basically, where you don't have everybody healthy, you don't have the guys that you want in the lineup right now, that's fine. Robert Haig's still not 100 percent healthy. He was scratched tonight. you know, maybe he comes back and Brandon Manning sits. We don't know. That was that was the case the other day. If that happens, that's fine, but you know what is this mix going to be? Is it going to be Travis Sandheim's going to still play 16 to 18 minutes a night, maybe even 20, or is it going to revert back to where it was earlier in the season? What is this team made of? Is this team going to you know score big goals when it matters, or are they going to flounder after the first push of pressure from a really good team? Especially Pittsburgh. If they get out to a bad lead, you know, bad start in Pittsburgh, or are they going to be able to react to it? Are they going to be able to fight back for it? No one knows. This West Coast trip, they've played pretty good on the West Coast. I mean, in some of the late games they've had this year. Are they going to be able to keep up that intensity and move forward? Then are they going to be able to bounce back, you know, late in games? Are they going to sit back like we talked about as a possible big issue moving forward? You know, is that something that's going to come out of nowhere? We don't know. But that's the thing that I want to figure out from this team right now. I want to know who they are at the end of the year. I want to know by the end of next week and I want to be able to say, "All right, this is the team that this is the Philadelphia Flyers." This is who they are going into the playoffs. This is what we're going to have to expect. How, are, how is this team going to adapt? How is this team going to game plan? How is this team going to utilize what they have as strengths to hopefully make some noise in the postseason? That's what I want to know. And I think that's a perfect note to end on right there, if I don't say so myself. <laughs> so for myself, Tom Foti, Ryan Gilbert, always thank you for listening. But before we let you go, Just a reminder that you can subscribe to SOP Radio on iTunes and SoundCloud. Be sure to leave a five star rating and a review. Tell Tom why you love him, why you missed him so much. Ask him how he's done on his, you know, in his men's league, scoring all those goals, doing that course, doing all that stuff. Tell Ryan why he is really good with opinions and his math skills are incredible. You know, he had some doing, he was doing some subtracting prior to the show. It was very good. And for all of us, I really appreciate everything, you know, with the consistent listening. It's only gonna ramp up. Playoffs are just two weeks away. The Flyers are in good chance, you know, a good standing point right now. It's about a little over 94% chance of them make the playoffs. Good things are happening. Positive vibes only, fam. Have a great one, Philly.
0: a couple of minutes gone in overtime, and Voracek completes the comeback. Voracek holding the pass for back. he scores!
1: A ghostly game-winner extends his points streak and wins the game! Gassisberg kept it alive, kept it to Giroux, who scores!